Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome, everybody, once again. Good to see you. And so, yeah, um, today, first, I want to say happy. Happy Easter to everybody. Um, I, I think there might be a, yeah, there's a, a, lo- a little smaller turnout. I, I think there's a lot of um, Easter egg hunts going on probably this morning. You know, <laughs> it's just very cute to think about. Um, and yeah, I wanted to talk today about right effort um, and the four wise efforts and. You know, I was thinking about this day, you know, Easter and resurrection, rebirth, and, and things like this, and transformation, and how do we go about that? How do we go about transformation? Um, and yeah, we do that through some kind of efforting, right? Starts with intention, and you know, moves to uh, to efforting, and and that's how we we move into the the practice and move along the practice. So, so speaking about that today. And, um, and yeah, so, you know, I think the, the first start of this, um, you know, to, to talk about right effort is to look at, um, the, our personal motivations, you know, right effort is going to be different for all of us. How that's going to show up is going to be, going to be different for all of us. Um, so there's a real personal aspect, um, for, for this, for this part. Um, of, of the path that we really need to be cognizant about and really take take to heart and work with it on a, in a personal way. And then of course, there's some some aspects that the Buddha came up with that to help us along to get us started. so we could talk about talk about those as well. And then of course, it'll be fun to to get into groups and share what kind of helps you with um, the energy and, and the effort on on the path. So I thought I'd start with a little bit of just review on where effort fits into um, to the path, and of course it shows up on in the Eightfold Path, and it's under the the concentration category, the Eightfold Path, also called like the meditation category. You know, we have the Prajna or Wisdom category of right view, right intention. Then we have the category of Sila ethics with right uh, right. Uh, speech, right livelihood, right action, and then we have this this grouping, this meditation grouping of right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration. And so effort falls into that category. Although we see that all of it takes effort, all of it takes energy. Every single aspect of the path uh, takes effort and energy. So we want to look at it in, in that view too, not just the effort that it takes. Um, as the, kind of the motivating, the, the, the energy for wisdom to, to ripen. So Bhikkhu Bodhi has some wonderful, um, you know, wonderful words about right effort. So I'm going to start there. Uh, just kind of read a little bit of this. Uh, and then we'll kind of go more, move towards what's motivating for us maybe in, in a more personal way. So, 
Yeah, this is Bhikkhu Bodhi on Right Effort. Wisdom is the primary, primary tool for deliverance. So wisdom is the tool for liberation, right? But the penetrating vision it yields can only open up when the mind has been composed and collected. Right concentration brings the requisite stillness to the mind by unifying it with undistracted focus on a suitable object. So basically for wisdom to be seen, it takes a calm mind, concentration is a way to get there, to calm the mind. To do so, however, the factor of concentration needs the aid of effort and mindfulness. Right effort provides the energy demanded by the task. Right mindfulness, the, steady, the steadying points for awareness. So these all three help each other out. The commentators illustrate the interdependence of the three factors within the concentration group with a simple simile. Three boys go to a park to play. While walking along, they see a tree with flowering tops and decide they want to gather the flowers. But the flowers are beyond the reach, even of the tallest boy. Then one friend bends down and offers his back. The tall boy climbs up, but still hesitates to reach for the flowers from fear of falling. So the third boy comes over and offers his shoulder for support. The first boy, standing on the back of the second boy, then leans on the shoulder of the third boy, reaches up and gathers the flowers. In this simile, the tall boy who picks the flowers represents concentration with its function of unifying the mind. But to unify the mind, concentration needs support, the energy, by right effort, which is like the boy who offers his back. It also requires a stabilizing awareness provided by mindfulness, which is like the boy who offers his shoulder. When right concentration receives this support, then empowered by right effort and balanced by right mindfulness, it can draw in the scattered strands of thought and fix the mind firmly on the object. So yeah, just how these three work together to unify the mind into focus, into concentration. <clears throat> so then we, we move into the, the four right efforts. So the right effort is kind of broken down into four individual pieces. And if I could have Don just kind of put those in the chat real quick. So these are also called the four right efforts and the four wise efforts. And these are fantastic. You know, I, I really like how these are broken down. It's just as a way for more mindfulness to develop, really. It, it reminds me of how we use the hindrances, you know, so like, and, and the seven factors as well. It heightens our mindfulness, right? So like when we're, when we're practicing any practice and we wish to bring the mind back to something 
let's say, let's go back to square one when we first heard about meditation and we just heard to let the thoughts pass and to, to be mindful of that and then come back to an object, right? So that's what we're doing. We're recognizing the mind is away from the object, you know, noticing this, that, that, that moment of mindfulness and coming back, returning. And then we learn of the hindrances. We learn, say, hey, you know, when the mind has wandered, know why that it's wandered. Like, what are the causes and conditions that, uh, that made it wander, right? So we're looking at attachment and aversion, and we're looking for dullness, agitation, excitement. We're looking for doubt. This really heightens our, our mindfulness. It's wonderful. We learn about the seven factors of awakening. So what are the causes and conditions when the mind has ripened into its natural state of positivity? We look for mindfulness, investigation, curiosity, rapture, joy, tranquility, calm, um, concentration, equanimity. So we're noticing when those have arisen and why they have arisen. And again, you know, the, the mindfulness the, uh, is heightened you know, because of this. In the same way, when we're looking at, at effort, we're looking at the lack of effort too. <laughs> so we have to be mindful of like, what brings us, what brings effort um, into the path? And what are the causes maybe of, of um, lackluster effort? So as we go through these, just kind of look at them in this way of like, when we're really investigating the effort that we're bringing to the path, we could look at these as a way to do so. Like, oh, maybe I need to buoy up or pay attention to, to one of these. So I'll just kind of read through them. And again, they're, they're in the chat there, obviously. Um, restraint, generating the desire for the non-arising of unwholesome states, avoiding and preventing the arising of unwholesome states and unskillful thoughts which have not yet arisen. Really beautiful here, the, the first part, generating the desire for non-arising of unwholesome states. Just that piece, um, it, yeah, it's really beautiful. Just that, that first initial desire. It takes so much mindfulness just to get to this point of that unwholesome states are there. That's huge. <laughs> An unwholesome state is there. And when we look at unwholesome state, what does this mean? Traditionally speaking, in a very general way, we know there's a lot of different interpretations, but just the, the hindrances, you know, attachment. If we stick with the hindrances, this will be a good way to just put these in a category of, yeah, attachment, aversion, dullness, torpor, lazy mind, the opposite of that, excited agitated mind and doubt, right? Um, yeah, also like ignorance, delusion, you know, attachment, aversion, uh, ignorance, illusion, uh, delusion, anger, ill will, all that. So just noticing that they have arisen and setting that intention and that conviction, that, that motivation of like, yes, you know, I have the desire for this, these not to arise. You know, I have that, um, that intention to preventing those, those unwholesome states. Um, and then being mindful, of course, um, as we go through this. 
Um, I do want to put in here, hold on just one second. I want to add something real quick. Just a little, a little piece from Gil Francel. Okay, well, I'll just read it. It just talks about intention real quick. Just as we talk about this, when the application of our intention is strong and skillful, wholesome mind states arise and continue easily, and unwholesome states weaken and fall away. But when the intention is weak, wholesome mind states are feeble or never develop, and unwholesome states can obsess the mind. Yeah, I did hit return, uh, Rick. It's still not, still not working. Oh. I just hit it for the third time and it actually did work. <laughs> yeah, so that there's that. So it, anyway, it's just talking about, you know, how all of these things blend together, the importance of intention. Um, when the intention is strong, we get varia, which is, you know, the energy. So we have intention, we get the varia. The varia is this fuel for effort, you know, uh, to, to, to awaken, right? And, Cool. So the, the second piece, abandoning, generating the desire for abandoning arisen unwholesome states, abandoning unwholesome states and unskillful thoughts that have already arisen. So the effort of abandoning. And be cognizant. It takes effort to, it takes effort to be mindful of this. It takes effort to abandon, abandon these. Um, yeah, so the third one, developing, generating, generating the desire for arising of wholesome states, cultivating, developing, and bringing forth wholesome states and skillful thoughts which have not yet arisen. And again, setting the intention to do so and striving. One second. I had one other quote. That was, I thought was attached to the last one. I apologize. Let's see here. This is, this is, I thought it was attached to the first part of the, the Gulfrancel piece. For each of the four efforts, one generates the desire by making an effort, arousing energy, applying the mind, and striving. So, so for each of these, this is kind of like, how do we actually go about putting each of these in practice? Um, we gener generate the desire by making, an, by making an effort, but really generating the desire by making an effort through intention, arousing the energy, applying the mind and striving and very very importantly it's a it's a loop you know and in reality i like to look at it because this is kind of moving on to the personal practice is that uh, my effort comes from doing not i don't have a lot of pre-motivation in in my experience i'm motivated afterwards um, motivation comes from from the doing part so this is circular, so if we have that intention 
and even if we don't have a really strong physical like motivating factor you know we can go ahead and just do it <laughs> and then by doing and i think maybe we've all experienced this you know and um which I'll, I'll get into more uh, in, in a little bit, but yeah, the more we do, the more we can do. And this goes for laziness too. You know, the more lazy we are, the, the more we can be lazy, the more we strive and move to a certain direction, the more we do, the more we can do, uh, whatever that might be, wholesome and unwholesome. And when we look at the energy factor, this is important to note, energy works in both directions, unwholesome and wholesome. We just have to be cognizant of where that energy heading. Be awake and aware of that. So yeah, generating the, the desire. And then the, the last one is protecting. Um, generating the desire for continuing um, arisen, wholesome uh, states. So states that are already present. You know, um, setting the intention of maintaining and sustaining wholesome states and skillful thoughts which have already arisen. This is this definitely is another skill because what we often forget about is that many of these things are perishable. Um, I had you know, the opportunity to to chat with Venerable Tenzin Chogi on the podcast that I do, the More Happiness, Less Suffering podcast with uh, Dr. Monisha Vasa, and yeah, Venerable Tenzin Chogi was I was talking her. Up. I was saying how amazing and wonderful she was, and she, you know, she is. And when I first met her, just the the vibration and and everything that I that I felt from her, and she's like, yeah, you know, I, and she's so humble, so she was trying to deflect that, <laughs> and so she's like, oh yeah, if you felt this, Casey, but I just come out of long retreat. You know, when I met her, she just came out of six years of of retreat, and she's like, oh, there's so much. There's so much juice there, right? And sometimes we can sustain that, and sometimes it kind of diminishes. Which, of course, in her case, it's only grown. But, um, but it, it's a great point. You know, we think that oh, I've reached this you know, this level of meta or of focus of concentration. We must not forget that these are these are perishable, of course, until they're not, until they become you know more integrated. But um, we don't want to just kind of hold back and, and not, um, not continue to, to cultivate uh, these things and have that good desire. Um, yeah, so just kind of um, more, like a couple more points on in, 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 a personal, in, in a personal way of how, how these have shown up for me. Um, you know what? What I have seen in my own practice is really working on the ability to to come back after my practice has um, been mediocre. So there's there's, and for me it's just day to day, like uh, you know one or two days. So like if in other words, if if I'm busy or I'm tired, if my body's not feeling well, um, it could be all sorts of things that I'll put in practice, but maybe the practice isn't the, I'm not getting the fruit of the practice like I do on some other days where I just feel so inspired. And that inspiration, uh, 
move come uh, moves to the next day. So the next day I feel I'm, I can't wait to, to practice, right? So uh, one thing that, that I find is really beneficial is, is to be aware of the discipline and the self-care. So we talk a lot about non-judgment and, and self-care and, and meeting the practice with some loving friendliness to ourselves. And we're also blending that with this obvious fact that it's going to take discipline. So it's going to take discipline to show up even though you don't really want to show up. And I've definitely sat at least getting there to the cushion probably 10 times uh, with the mindset of that discipline, just saying, I'm going to sit just because, you know. Uh, and then, of course, once I get there and I begin to sit or, I, or if I get in really in the groove, um, I may get really in the groove of some steady practice that, that I'm really enjoying. Of course, you know, I want to sit. And then that changes. And sometimes I don't want to sit, right, because of whatever reason, because the mind is tricky, right? It could be desire, craving, ill will, aversion. It could be thinking, oh, I need to do something else, whatever it might be. I'm sure you all can relate. And then it moves into, into to, to discipline. And it goes back to these four aspects of that sincere wish or desire. It goes back to dukkha. This all goes back to dukkha and understanding like, okay, you know, this is all going to be suffering out there. I need to, I need to move within. But to take inventory on what gets us, what gets, what gets you, what gets you there, so important. What really connects you to your practice, that real sincere intention, so you could put forth, you know, that effort. Um, yeah, so another couple things I want to say this, this is just kind of just through my own, actually from sharing the practice and doing groups and one-on-ones over the years, I've, I've realized, and people that I have worked with me one-on-one, you'll, you'll know that I say this, is that I've realized that as practitioners, we come in a few different categories, and this is nothing new, but just to be aware of it, is that most of us come to the Dharma more through the intellectual door, some people come more through the the body as the door. Some people come through or filter the Dharma through the heart. And of course, we're, we're all of us, we're all mixtures of that. But it's, it's really important that we might pay attention to which one of those doors that we filter the Dharma through. Because they are a strength and a weakness, especially when it comes to effort of pure application of the Dharma in practice. Because what happens is, is that we connect the, through one of those doors, but then we need to all abandon those doors, right? We need to stop that external piece. Let's take the intellect, for example. We might come through the Dharma through the intellect and want to read and want to listen and, and get Dharma. But then we need to abandon that. We need to sit. We might come through the Dharma through the body practice. We might might be like might be yoga, might be mindful movement, might be some kind of 
sport that puts us into some some state. Um, it might be, um, uh, you know, really enjoying the walking meditation practice. But we need to come into a state, we need to abandon that, come into a state of uh, just stillness too. We need to have that opportunity just to, just to be outside of, uh, of the body. And again, the intellect is, is awesome. The, the body uh, as a door is awesome. And the heart too. The, the service-oriented person is beautiful. Bhakti, you know, uh, being a service-oriented person is incredible and like, like those other doors, beautiful in its own right. And also, too, we need to abandon external service so we recognize our own true nature. So we need to abandon that. So they're all strengths and they're all weaknesses, but what I've seen within myself, too, is that there's a certain laziness that can happen when we do just what's easy. Oh, I'm gonna to listen to a Dharma talk because, and I'm gonna get more knowledge because I'm kind of an intellectual and I'm gonna read more because I'm kind of an intellectual. So um, I'm gonna do that instead of sitting and, and that's gonna be my practice, which again, awesome. And we need to sit. Oh, I know I'm going to be really service oriented. I'm going to go volunteer. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to do this for somebody and this and that. Awesome. That's cool. And we need to sit with our own essence, with our own mind, right? So whatever your door is, recognize it and just be in balance with it. Like, okay, this is, this is how I know how I absorb the Dharma the most. And then we all... And again, we're all mixtures of these two, maybe, but we need to abandon that, those things for our spiritual self, too. So we're all, you know, this intellectuals, we have this body aspect, we have this heart aspect, and then we have our spiritual aspect. And sometimes uh, when it comes to effort, uh, we need to put effort into that spiritual aspect, which might be a bit uncomfortable because those other ones are more kind of natural, you know, to us, right? So we might need to abandon, abandon those so we could say, oh, yeah, I got to get in touch with something that I don't know yet. <laughs> it's like, I, I, don't, I don't know where I'm going here. You know, it might be very uncomfortable, you know, to move into the places of ourselves that we're just not quite aware of. And yeah, really connect as far as effort goes to for the practice. What motivates you? You know what motivates you to um, in the practice, and where do you see? Yeah, where do you see right effort either on a positive side or negative side? <laughs> where do you see right effort? Um, being uh, more inspired and enlivened in your practice and maybe some pitfalls to, to right effort. And this could also to be, um, I, I like to say like on the, getting to the cushion or staying on the cushion. You know, in the Eightfold Path, since it's in the meditation piece, it's really pointing to on the cushion as far as stabilization of the mind, but also it takes effort just to get to the cushion too. So maybe Maybe discussing both. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. 
For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.